All right, well, good morning, everybody. We're in part two of our Dating and Marriage DM series. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about um, looking at the Scripture and making sure the Scripture is foundational for us and why we believe Scripture should actually be the thing to populate our mind in order to demonstrate how relationships work. And so we wanted to make sure that was foundational for us. Today, me and my wife are going to talk about communication a little bit. This is my wife, Casey Payton, in case you don't know. Can we give her a hand? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you could have just done that, but okay. Uh, no, uh, solicited is fine. Uh, but last week we were talking about trusting in the Word of God. And in a society and nowadays where we kind of side-eye the Word of God, I'm not really sure. We wanted to remind you why we trust in the Word of God. One of the quotes from last week was, I don't trust in Jesus because I trust the Bible. I trust the Bible because I trust in Jesus. And Jesus himself had a lot to say about Scripture. He was a teacher of Scripture. And so as we're going to talk about in communication for all relationships today, I wanted to start looking at what Jesus says about relationship quickly and his trust in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 5 says this, Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Notice Jesus's answer. Have you not read scripture that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Let's continue in that. Verse six, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let not man separate. You hear it at every wedding, right? They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives from the beginning, but from the beginning it was not so. So Jesus is asked about marriage, is asked about divorce, conflict, when it should separate in that relationship. And he goes straight to Adam and Eve. He goes straight to the scripture in order to answer them, not just with some new teaching, but going, the way you interpret scripture is not right. Here's what it is. So he gives, gives validity to Genesis. He gives validity to uh, Adam and Eve, where even in our culture today, like, is this real? Is this right? Well, we trust Jesus. Jesus says, I was there from the beginning, and he is the one that pushes straight there. So right away, we can say, okay, this is an interesting thought. And then as they say, well, Moses told us it's okay to divorce, Jesus gives them the reason. It's because your heart is hard. And then he says this, but from the beginning, it was not so. In other words, the goal and the purpose of relationship is reconciliation, is peace, not division 
and what we see. Now, we're not talking about divorce per se today, but we're alluding to Genesis verses 1, 2, and 3, seeing Adam and Eve and how hardness of heart came into the world at the very beginning. And it started this conflict between man and woman, between man and man, between man and God, man and nature. Sin created this hardness of heart by looking and communicating in a different way. And it started the very fracture from the beginning. And Jesus says, this was not the goal. You see a lot in America, different stats, divorce rates. You see a lot of um, common conflict. And even as we talked about last week, the polarization of our culture in general, all of the conflict foundationally is from the beginning that Jesus points to, but also because we don't know how to communicate very well anymore. When, when most communication is, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, boom, running into a pole, right, walking, uh, we don't even know how to function relationally and communicate. If anybody has ever been a part, we do premarital course that Kenneth and Martha are really running right now, and they're doing an amazing job. We've done a lot of premarital counseling over our 20 years of marriage almost, and uh, we ourselves did six months of premarital counseling and learning how to communicate. And the phrase, the turn of phrase we always use is this. We're going to say it together. Test you. We're going to test you. Because if you're out there today and, and we've met with you or you've heard this a ton, you didn't even have to meet with us to hear this. We're going to see if you know the answer. All right? We're going to start the sentence and we want you to see if you can finish it. All right? Ready? One, two, three. Communication, Communication is the, the foundation, foundation of every relationship. I, I, heard, I heard a few of you out there. Good job. Good job, guys. For us, we believe this is so true. Copyright, Chris and Casey. Um, communication. Probably not. We probably got it from somewhere else. I, I don't no, know. totally. No, okay. it's, it's, it's a, communication is the foundation of every relationship. And there was a fracture at the beginning, even in communication. I have on the slides, the first idol recorded in the Bible is actually an idol towards the opposite sex where Adam chose to follow Eve instead of God. Instead of God's word and what he said, he said, oh, okay, what you do, I'm gonna do that instead. The direct communication from God got usurped by looking to someone else and it started this fracture of miscommunication. But having right communication and doing that communication together is essential for all relationships, not just marriage. So today, if you're single, um, we, this, this can have to do with your roommate, your boss, your peer, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it is, communication is the foundation of every relationship. And learning how to fight right, learning how to have right expectations and communicate that healthy will help you in your relationship, not only with God ultimately, but with one another. Yeah, and I, I believe that one of the reasons why we saw this idol already created in the very beginning was that we put unrealistic expectations on relationships. When the relationship with God is not right, then we tend to turn to human beings to be everything and everyone to us and expect perfection 
out of them because we need it. And really that's unrealistic because we're putting demands on people that only God can meet. And so I'm gonna put this statement up here, it's already up here. Unrealistic expectations build relationships upon perfection and pressure, not mercy and gratitude. That's really heavy. I'm leave that up there for a second. Look at it, screenshot it, whatever you need to do because that's a really pretty weighty statement. And I know there's probably a lot of you in this room, ourselves included, that maybe you grew up in homes that were created by performance and perfection and pressure and not grace, mercy, gratitude. Maybe you have created a home that operates like that because of our own sin and insecurity. And I think that unrealistic expectation is is huge because first of all, we usually don't communicate expectation in relationship. And the root of anger is unmet expectation. If you think about that for a second, we think something needs to happen, it doesn't happen, and we get disappointed, we get frustrated with that person. And really, we even do this to God if we're being honest. I know I have and you probably have too, right? We pray, we're believing God for something, we, we put an expectation on him, he doesn't come through the way that we think that he should, and we're disappointed. Yeah. We doubt, we doubt, and then seeds of anger and resentment begin to grow because it's an unmet expectation. And so, typically in a relationship, It's either unrealistic expectation, like you've set the bar so high that nobody, ain't nobody gonna meet that bar, or it's just not communicated. You never communicated what you wanted, and you left the other person to be a mind reader and to just try to figure it out. And when they miss the mark that you never shared with them to begin with, we're setting each other up for failure. And we've seen that in our own marriage, and, and we've also seen that in our own past. A lot of you are new in the room this morning, and you don't know our story. We don't have time to tell the whole story. I happen to think it's like the best story ever, you know, written and recorded. It's, it's amazing. Ever, ever. Uh, we, we've known each other since we were nine. We grew up together. And because of that, we have walked each other through lots of things. We've walked each other through divorce in both of our homes. Lots of brokenness, lots of pain. And so we've been married, like you said, 19 years. And by the grace of God and his grace alone, We've had 19 great years of marriage. Now we've had bad moments, bad days, maybe bad weeks. I mean, you know, but we've had a great 19 years of marriage. And a lot of people can just look at that and go, oh, that's that's so great. It's easy for you guys, you know. But listen, when we got together, we came from two homes full of broken people. Um, My parents divorced when I was two. My family fractured again when I had our first child in 2003, another divorce. And Chris's parents divorced when he was 12. And we knew each other. Even as a 12-year-old, we walked each other through that divorce and, and the pain. And so we witnessed lots of destructive bad, unhealthy communication and relationships. And so we got together and, and besides all that, we were young, we were so young, we were babes. We were, I just turned 21 for like two months and he was a month away from 21. So just, you know, we tell our kids, this just mommy and daddy's, that's not your story, it's, it's not, not your story. story. <laughs> that's what God did for us, it's not your story. 
But we were young. We were a little bit of a hot mess because we loved each other. We were passionate. We were called to ministry. But we knew a lot of things not to do. We, we knew a ton of things not to do. But we really didn't even know what a good, healthy marriage and relationship and communication even looked like. Yeah. And so over the years, we really had to work on this. And, you know, you might think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, you know, we're just talking to each other. We just don't get along. And, and we're not nice sometimes. And the reality is a lot of us will leave here today and you might treat your waitress at lunch with more kindness than you do the person sitting across the table from you. And that's, that shouldn't be. It should not be so. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I hope that you leave today being that person that is on the other end of that kindness and that we learn how to talk to each other again the right way. And, again, lest you think this is just a, a small thing and it's not, not a big deal, I want to share with you that there was a, a, some research done, a long-term study at Seattle Pacific University that these researchers determined with amazing accuracy which newlywed couples were headed for divorce. They possess these four qualities of destructive communication. Now again, you're gonna find yourself on this list, so don't panic, we've all been there, we've been there, but lest we think this isn't a big deal, these principles can really make or break relationships, and we've seen it in our own lives. So here's the four things. Patterns of destructive communication. Criticism, number one, when you attack the person and not the problem. So it becomes an assault on someone's character. This is who you are instead of this is what happened. This is what you did. This is how I feel. It becomes you are this person, which is a character assault, yeah. and that is... Be that's the wrong way to communicate that and criticism. We fall into that so easily. Contempt. You're disgusted with others and are condescending toward them. You try to shame them or control them. Self-explanatory. We all know that. We've experienced it. We've probably done it. Number three, defensiveness. You defend yourself. Keep the conversation on them, on, uh, on your issues, I think is what that's supposed to say, maybe, and their problems or something like that. That's a typo. But um, that's, that's huge that we do. I know I'm, I'm guilty of that sometimes. When someone brings something up, right, we, we immediately go into this defensive posture. Like, oh, okay, you're going you're gonna to tell me my faults? Oh, cool. Let me get out my scroll, right? Let's, let, let me look upon these, all of these transgressions, like, lest you think I'm the only one, right? We've all been there. We, I didn't even have to say that. You, you know what that is. And number four, stonewalling, when you ignore the other person and refuse to engage in dialogue or resolve the situation. And again, self-explanatory. You might think, well, I'm just not going to say anything, but it's your posture, it's your attitude, it's the cold shoulder, it's the shutting doors, it's the shutting down and not being willing to communicate with someone. That's just as bad as yelling and shouting and anger uh, Nonverbal com non communication speaks just as loud, sometimes more loudly, than the words that we say. And words are powerful. We know the Bible tells us the power of life and death are in the tongue. And yet we walk around cutting each other's heads off all day with these swords that are powerful. Yeah. And we are careless with how we wield our words. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. I like uh, great pastor Tommy Nelson talks about when you're in conflict and going back and forth, it's like being in a tennis match. And he says, if you've ever played tennis with somebody, shout out to our tennis affinity group. Um, if you ever played tennis with somebody, 
Um, it's really frustrating if you hit the ball and they don't hit back. They're just like, whatever, right? Or maybe you're a basketball player and like at the end, everybody's just starting jacking up threes from half court. And you're like, I want to play. What are we doing right now? Like it can be really frustrating. And you can see that in conflict, the goal is to rally hit, 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 hit. Like I'm tr we're trying to communicate what's going on in order to have a resolve and reconcile and go somewhere in our relationship. But if somebody just doesn't do it or somebody's super defensive and they attack the net. Like you hit it, they just wham, right, right back at you. And you're just like, okay, can we just hit a little bit? Can we just have some fun? You know, trying to accomplish something. You don't have to be domineering and take over. And it's just such a good illustration for how we don't do communication well. When we don't have a solid foundation of communication, because it is the foundation of every relationship, the lack of communication will destroy your relationship as well. Communicating, not communicating enough, communicating in the wrong way through destructive communication. And I know we saw that growing up um, in our family, in all of us, in our respect, you could say, we all come from hard-heartedness, brokenness, from the sin of Adam and Eve. We inherited that from our family and they inherited it from their family, most likely the relational dysfunction, which what is a functional family? I don't know. Uh, we all come from dysfunctional families. And unfortunately, we default into all we know. Yeah. And so as much in love we were, we were best friends. We dated when we were 12 years old, dated, right? All that kind of stuff. And then went to college together, got married. And it's like, oh, it's just the easy, perfect story. You didn't have to swipe left, all those things. I get it. Okay. <laughs> However, we knew all the things to not do but not enough to do. So all we did is find ourselves defaulting into all we knew. Yeah. And destructive communication was number one in our family. I saw, I saw stonewalling, I saw defensiveness. I saw it all sometimes in one conversation and then brought that into my marriage because that's all the foundation of communication I had. We had to be retrained, reprogrammed through the word of God in our relationship retooled to know how to communicate well yeah. to set a better foundation. Yeah, and I think for me, I know something I struggled with was I was terrified of conflict because I saw conflict tear apart my family. And so immediately when we were in conflict or we were fighting, I thought, oh no, oh no, 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 here it is, this is the end, you know, every time. And so then we would just avoid it. We yeah. would avoid conflict out of fear yeah. because we didn't know how to fight right and so every time there was a conflict, I thought, oh no, this is bad, something's wrong with us. When the reality is, is everyone will be in conflict. And when we meet with couples and they say, oh, we never fight. We just never do, we just get along. We get up and we walk out. We're concerned, no, we don't. <laughs> to clarify, we do not do that. We stonewall them, <laughs> judge them. Just kidding. Are you, are you I'm done, done. Okay. I'm done. Okay, good. Uh, no, we, but it does concern us because we're like, guess what? You're going to fight. You will have conflict. Healthy relationships have conflict right. because that means you're actually being honest and open. We just usually don't know how to do it right. So we're going to look at some ways that we probably do that are negative to arm ourselves for a fight. Yeah. And we're going to look at ways to share communication Absolutely. a healthy way. Yeah, statistically, uh, experts will say that any, any two people that get together, 70% of what you believe with your preferences and your background is, is unresolvable. It's unresolvable. 
So it's going to take conflict management, a lot of grace and love, because you're never going to find that perfect person. That's my soulmate, because that person married the wrong person, and then it trickled down into you're never going to find the right person. <laughs> it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. And I can do that, but I can't control or change that person, but I can change me. Unfortunately, when we get into conflict because communication flybys or our hard-heartedness already because of all the things going on in our lives, or our circumstance, or our offense, we arm ourselves for a fight in a bad way. So we're going to use this arm as an acronym today to kind of help you to see that we all do this. And the first thing we do in arming ourselves is A, we assume. We assume too much about the person, about the circumstance, about the thing. We already have a filter that we run everything through. And we hear people through a filter. When we arm ourselves and we're getting ready to fight, we're already filtering what they're saying. So let me give you an example. This is on the screen. What do you picture when you read this? The girl was afraid to run home because of the man in the mask. What do you picture? Did you picture this? A co-ed baseball game where a woman was afraid to run home to home base because the back catcher had the ball. Is that what you pictured? Probably not. Same words different assumptions, different pictures, and especially in marriage with two different people, much less conflict with your, uh, somebody you're living with or whatever that you're a roommate with, you're always going to have these flybys. You say one thing and they think something else. And so it's so easy to assume we understand someone. Oh yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. And because we've already armed ourselves with what we think they're saying or meaning or believing, and that's extremely judgmental, but that's what we do in our worst. Yeah, I use this example in the first service because our kids aren't in here, so we can talk about we'll, we'll talk about them when they're in here too, but they, they actually like give us a great example of this because they, they really can be bad about this. We will tell them, you know, like maybe we'll, from upstairs, we'll call and we'll say, Addison, you know, blank, we, we need him to do something. Or maybe we're just asking him, we want to know about something. We want to know about your day. And, you know, we'll, we'll say 16, that. He's 16. Yeah. He's 16. And, and, you know, he'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Take out the trash. We're like, no. But yes. But no. <laughs> yes. But, but he's already made up his mind. He knows what I'm going to say anyway. So he actually doesn't even hear the rest of the sentence. He just hears, hey, Addison. And like, well, shut it off. Oh, I got to go do the trash. And we do that to each other, right? When we already assume we know what the other person's going to say, we actually do not hear what they say. Yeah. Because we've already made up our mind, oh, this pattern, oh, I've seen this before. I know what's coming. And uh, that's really dangerous. That's, that's a really dangerous thing to do because it actually causes us to not hear the other person right. and what they're saying. So moving on to the next one. Um, in ARM, we react. Woo, do we react? I feel like we should like, Arm, arm wrestle position while we're talking, like arm, but no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I have to hold my iPad. You're adorable. Oh, thank you. Um, we, when we react, we miss the truth 
they value by critiquing them. And again, like I said earlier, right, reaction is usually our kind of go-to response because of our own insecurity, our own sin, our own shortcomings. Typically, the person that when they bring up something, it's, I know for me, a lot of times, something I'm already struggling with. Like, yeah, I know, I'm not winning in this area. And then, you know, if he happens to say something, I'm immediately defensive about it because I already know I'm not doing great. And so then what do I do, right? Like I said earlier, it's like the scroll. It's like, oh, let's do this, okay? Oh, we're doing this? Let's do this. Let me tell you everything that you've done wrong in the past week to your one thing that you brought up to me, right? Because usually it's like we got to outdo them. And so it's like 10, you know, 10 to 1. But we, we use this kind of language um, for ourselves, and it's very destructive because, again, we're not listening. We're just, we're just reacting. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. The last part of arm, so we have assume, react. The last one is mistrust who they are. This is probably one of the worst things that we do because if you go into a conversation or into a conflict, again, not volleying back and forth, but right away already assuming I know the kind of person you are, and I'm, I'm putting you in that category, I'm putting a caricature of a different type of person, I've already not attributed and looking at the issue, but I'm making you the issue. Instead of you're made in the image of God, or if you're married, I chose to marry you, um, putting trust where there's gaps of knowledge in any relationship, any relationship, this could be your boss, this could be a roommate, this could be a spouse, where there's gaps of knowledge, because there's always gaps of knowledge. I don't understand why they did this, what I'm gonna fill that gap with is either trust or suspicion. And I'm gonna be suspicious, which is now saying this is the type of person you are, so that's what I'm gonna to attribute to you, and it's gonna be hard for me to listen to you, and it's gonna be hard for you to want to even approach me because I know the way you already look at me. I know the type of person you are making me out to be. This is where Jesus would use the words like, don't judge lest you be judged. That doesn't mean never make a judgment call, but it does mean be careful not to be judge, right? Uh, jury, executioner, that you are always this way. And that mistrust feeds that line instead of what scripture or the gospel would feed. And that is what true love does. And love believes the best in everyone, scripture says. Why? Because God is looking down and not just looking at you and saying, this is who you are, but this is what I'm calling you up to. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when done wrong, when we arm ourselves, we arm ourselves with mistrust. So let's talk a little bit then how to, in our next last 10 minutes here, how to share well then. Okay, we know how to arm ourselves. We know kind of destructive behaviors. What are some good things that you could start? Yeah, number one, S is safe. We want to create an environment where each person feels safe where I feel like I can open my heart to you and I'm not gonna get stomped on, I'm not gonna get yelled at, you're going to hear me, because really at the end of the day, we just want to be seen, right? We want to be heard, we want our feelings validated. That doesn't mean they're right, our feelings often are wrong. So someone can be completely in the wrong in conflict, but you still need to hear them. They still have feelings and whatever transpired to make them feel that way had something to do with an interaction that you had and you may not have been doing it on purpose yet someone feels a certain way as a result of it. Yeah. And so if we can create a safe space for one another to say, okay, let's come into this. I want you to know I'm gonna hear you out. 
I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm not going to refute you. I'm going to listen to you. Yeah. And that builds trust and that builds a, a safe space where we feel like we can communicate openly and honestly and be able to resolve the conflict. And isn't that what God does with us? In scripture, it says that we can boldly approach a throne, not of judgment, but of grace, mm -hmm. a safe place. And if that's how he treats me, who am I to not treat someone else? So it's the word of God reprogramming us to have right relationship with one another. The next thing in the H is highlight one issue. By saying things like, when you feel blank, I feel blank, or I'm concerned about blank, like I'm not gonna bring in all of the issues to this conversation. We're gonna talk about this one thing and just stick to this one thing. So if we find ourselves going off, which you will, Repent and go, okay, no, it's this one thing we want to deal with. Because if we can communicate and get on the same page, which is the goal of communication, then we can attack it together. Oftentimes, we'll have to look at each other in the middle, and we're, when we're not doing this well, we'll have to stop and go, hey, we're on the same team. We both care about our children. We both care about our finances. We both care about and remind each other these things and then go back to the one thing that we need to discuss. Next Ask is the A, and this is huge. This is very, very, very important because this is your opportunity to hear someone out. And what we do, we do this, this is probably one of the things we do most often when we're in conflict or even just in, in talking, is a lot of times I will share maybe, or he will share our heart, how we feel about something and something, you know, maybe has happened and we're, we're talking through it. And we've gotten to have to learn over the years, but we've gotten in the habit of like, okay, now I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna repeat back to you what I thought you said. And then you tell me if this is what you meant. And guess what, spoiler alert, most times you do that, you repeat it back and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant at all. Like, how did you even get that out of what I said? But because we stopped, we gave each other the opportunity to, okay, well, I'm gonna continue asking questions and yeah. so I can be clear so that I really understand where you're coming from because we usually just like slide right past that. And if we actually don't hear what the person's saying, yeah. the actual thing that they mean, you're not gonna get anywhere in the conflict because we're gonna to continue to misunderstand. And so this is a really, really important one. You have to remind yourself to do this sometimes in the heat of the moment. It's very, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, amen? We need him every day. But we have to, in the moment, just say, okay, let's pause because we wanna get it right. We want to actually hear what the other person is saying and get our own filters out of the way, our own offense, so we can hear what they're really saying. And that disarms us from arming, right? Um, Proverbs 18, let's go to the, the word of God. Proverbs 18, 13 and 17 says this, sprouting off, or spouting, I'm sorry, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish, yikes. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. <laughs> Proverbs, thousand-year-old ancient literature schooling us, reminding us, don't just listen to the first person. There's multiple perspectives to the story. Ask questions, get to the bottom, not just going into your propensity or what you already assume and believe. Number four in share, reconcile versus react. 
remind yourself the goal of this is to find the common ground. I'm not creating an opposite. I'm not putting you all the way to that extreme and I'm on this extreme and we're fighting because typically you might be somewhere in the middle and if I don't already position you there, I'm looking for common ground. Where are we saying the same things? And again, that even goes back to reminding we're on the same team. What are areas that we're saying the same thing? In Philippians 2, one through four, it says this, therefore, if you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, Paul's crying out, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In other words, be like Jesus. He is our example. He is our foundation of what relationship and communication ultimately looks like. Let's look at the yeah, last Yeah, and we're, we're a little too competitive, you know, like we like to win, win, win no matter what. And if you go into a conflict looking to win and you lose the person in the process, you lost. Yeah. The goal is not to win. Yeah. The goal is reconciliation and peace in your home. And we all too often go into conflict looking to guns ablazing. We are winning this. I am right and I'm going to win. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. And the last thing is E, explore. Explore the original issue again without the complications of mistrust. So ideally in a perfect world, which we all know we're not going to be great at this, we're, we're going to fail, but in a perfect world when we've gone through these letters and we have de-escalated and we have settled, we can go back to the original issue and revisit it without our filters, without our emotion, without our offenses connected to it, and actually deal with the issues because there are real problems in your relationships, and God has real answers for you. The Holy Spirit is your helper, and he's ready, but we have to come back to that place where we can do it without all of the things that we talked about that are unhealthy. Yeah. Philippians 3, Paul reminds them, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. What's the goal ultimately? And again, it's reconciliation. Now, we have a few things we don't have time to go into our last couple of minutes here, but you can screenshot or whatever, and we can throw some of this on social, but further recommendations for communication, you see things like clearly bring up an issue, do not just make hints or think they should get it. If you're dating, and you're struggling in that dating relationship and you're avoiding conflict, you need to be clear. And you need to say, hey, this isn't working out because it's better to do it early than later. Or you need to be clear because the uh, relationship is frustrated and it's, it's time to go to another level. We need to communicate. DTR, uh, determine the relationship. Where are we right now? And we need to do a little bit of work. That's the good way to say it. Um, don't over talk. The goal is not to win, but love each other. Some of these types of things, we want to tool you and help you. But we want to close today with this thought that this isn't just helpful or hurtful if you're going, oh, I'm this, I'm that. We need to work on a lot of things or I need to work on a lot of things. At the end of the day, 1 John 2, 1 through 2, I love John speaking to the church. He says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Sin is missing the mark. I don't want you to miss the mark. The goal is to 
not miss the mark, to hit that perfect shot, to, to hit the, the swish every time. That's the goal. And if your goal isn't that, you're just like, ah, it's okay, Jesus will forgive me, it's no big deal. No, the goal is to be like Jesus, is to listen to the word of God and shape my formation around it, not conforming to anything else. But then he says this, but if anyone does sin, and we're all gonna miss the mark in some way, it's not the goal. We're all gonna have wrong conflict. We're all gonna have pride and hard-heartedness that comes in. He says this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our lawyer, like advocating for our case and for us as the one that did it perfectly. And it says this, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, this, the goal is to do this perfectly. You're not going to, and thank God we have Christ when we don't. So at the end of the day, this isn't just like a little helpful thing for your relationship and marriage. We also want to help you to understand it's our relationship with Jesus first and foremost that gives us the grace in order to be able to do these things well. And that's our passion is to know him, to be like him, to demonstrate his love as well. Yeah, and as, as we close, I just wanna say that typically when we need grace the most, we rarely, if ever, have earned it or deserve it in that moment. Yeah. But we need it. Yeah. And as we relate to one another, we have to remember that. I know for me, that has saved me so many times in my marriage that I stop before I get frustrated or upset about something and I think, you know what? Probably later today, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, I am going to need grace because <laughs> I'm gonna mess up. Yeah. And if I'm gonna need it, then I've got to give it. And if we have an amazing, loving, heavenly Father who thank God, right, he doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. He extends grace to us every day when we have not earned it and we don't deserve it. And if God extends grace to us as sinners, how can we withhold extending grace to others, especially those that we say we love and mean more to us than anything in the world? Yeah. We cannot stand before God and not extend that same grace. And yeah. so you might be in an unhealthy cycle today. Maybe you're out there going, man, we're, we're both like really not great at this. Or maybe it's one person putting in a lot of effort and you're not seeing the response from the other person. It just takes one person to stand up and break the cycle. That's right. To say, I am going to choose to act like Christ and extend grace no matter the response. If I do everything on this list and I don't get anything back, I'm going to keep doing it because God is gracious to me and I can give a little grace. Yeah. And so it just takes one, it just takes one person by the grace of God to break unhealthy and negative and bad patterns. Amen. Will you stand to your feet with me? I love that in the picture, it takes one to break it. And it did, it took that one, Christ. I love the words that he said when he turns to his disciples, when they're getting ready to arm themselves for battle as the Roman guards and everybody's coming to take him to be crucified. He turns to them and he says, do you not realize with one word I could bring a legion of angels to destroy everybody? 
And yet, as he's hanging on a cross, he chose to stay on that cross. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. When I'm ready to walk out, when I'm ready to be mad and quit this relationship or quit that person that continues to hurt me, I think he stayed. When he could have destroyed, he stayed. He stayed. He broke it. He is the reason why we can triumph as well in our relationship and our communication. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for loving us for staying with us. Lord, it is your love that is enough that sustains us. Lord, we sing of this love in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.